0: Hey, everybody. Welcome to The Fizzle Show. I'm happy to be here with you guys today as your host for the day. I'm Corbett Barr, and... Chase is, uh, he told me he's in LA taking some meetings today, whatever that means. Maybe he's going to be an actor or something. I don't know. <laughs> we never know with that guy. Uh, but um, we have Steph Crowder as usual. Steph, say hi. Hey, everybody. And uh, we have a very special guest I'm going to introduce in just one second. But before we do that, in case you guys are tuning in for the first time or maybe you've forgotten what this show is all about, this is the Fizzle Show where we try to help you guys who are listening figure out ways to earn a living independently doing something that you care about. And uh, that could mean freelancing, it could mean running your own business, it could mean a whole lot of things, Uh, but the point is that you're working on something that you care about and that you're earning a living independently. We've been doing this for a long time, Fizzle has been around for six years now, which I can hardly believe, and during that time we've helped uh, 20-something thousand people through our membership at Fizzle.co. Um, along their journey at some point. And uh, I've been an entrepreneur for maybe 15 years now. Steph has been working on her own thing, Courage and Clarity, for quite some time, along with, might I say, some other things. Steph, we had a conversation last week about how there were a bunch of failures in your past that you hadn't even shared with me before. They were pretty interesting.
1: Yeah, I guess I have some dirty laundry that needs some airing at some point in terms of my uh, my rough path to becoming an entrepreneur. <laughs>
0: I think we all do, and and uh, that would be a fun episode, actually. Like, just to dig into people's deep, dirty secrets about businesses they tried to start that they've never told anybody about, and like what happened there. But
1: we should totally that's do for that for another
0: time. We should. So today we have a, an extra special guest as well. Uh, we're joined by Aiden Fishbine. Aiden, you want to say hi? Well, hello. It's a pleasure. Thanks for being here. And uh, we brought Aiden on today because he has. Uh, helped us on the fizzle team recently with content development and he's going to be around a bit more so you guys may hear or see aiden involved in the podcast or on blog posts and things like that and on today's episode we're going to talk about something that aiden has experience with and uh steph as well and 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 so do i so i'm excited about it and it's something that you guys are probably either thinking about now or will be thinking about at some point soon and that is. Hiring. And we're going to talk specifically about hiring just temporary help, virtual assistants, uh, freelancers, contractors, all that sort of stuff. But before we do that, we're going to flip this around and talk about it from the perspective of Someone who is looking for work. And Steph, um, you started this conversation before we started recording by talking about how a lot of people don't see this as an opportunity, but that they maybe should. T- talk about what you mean by that.
1: Yeah. So we were sort of brainstorming topics like we do before we start recording. And I was just sort of reflecting to myself about how many, just how many conversations I've had lately. It feels like it's been a hot topic over in my community that I host on on Facebook called the Courage and Clarity Community, there's this, um, th- th- there's this thing that happens to a lot of entrepreneurs who are just getting started. And perhaps if you're listening to this, you're in this right now, or you've been there yourself, where you have you know, maybe some kind of day job, you're going into an office, doing the whole corporate America thing, you're side hustling, and you're seeing some bit of success. Maybe you're starting to earn some revenue, but it's a far cry from what you need in order to um, support your family and achieve your dreams and ultimately leave your day job. So you're kind of left with this really tricky chicken or egg type conundrum where, of course, you probably think constantly about how much you'd love to jump out of your corporate job and um, spend the time growing your side hustle. And maybe you even feel like you've reached a ceiling on how much success you can have as a side hustle. Um, A a lot of people in this position who are like, man, I I really want to get to that next level with my business, but I'm lacking time and maybe I'm even lacking experience especially if this is your your first attempt at being an entrepreneur. There's such a learning curve. Um, I've had conversations with quite a few people recently and just suggested the idea of finding some supplementary work in the form of being a virtual assistant. So um, a virtual assistant, for anyone who doesn't know, is kind of exactly what it sounds like. It's you know connecting with someone online who hires you, typically as a contractor, to help them with typically a lot of administrative parts of business but i think it's really become like a catch-all phrase for uh, a lot of us entrepreneurs the very first hire that we make is going to be a virtual assistant i know for me with my business over at courage and clarity it was my first contractor that i hired was my virtual actually i guess it was my second my first one was a podcast editor also a contractor but my second one was a virtual assistant so it's one of the first hires that people uh, that people make and there's this idea that, hey, if you are, you know, headed in the direction of running your own business, why not see if you can take on some work assisting someone who's a little bit further along than you, even if you're not, you know, trained as a administrative assistant or a virtual assistant, um, there's this really cool thing that can happen when you maybe... Hit your wagon to an entrepreneur who you admire. Get into the back end of their business and help, kind of like with the inner workings. You learn a lot and uh, can earn some some money in your pocket, so that you can get where you want to go a little bit faster. So I've made, like I said, I've had this conversation with a few people in my community, and it seems to be one of those things where the general feedback I get is people will say, "Oh my gosh, I didn't even think about that as a viable option." So I thought it would be worth talking about here on the show because I bet there are some people out there who are in that position. And maybe they haven't thought about uh, doing this as an option, and even if they have thought about it, maybe they're a little bit confused as to how to go about it. So I think um, it can be a real game changer if you're if you really feel like you're you're hitting that ceiling on where you are so far with the business.
0: Yeah, and um, I I love this because it ties in with something that's been going on at Fizzle over the past couple of months, which is we have uh, started bringing some people on to help us with various pieces of the business, um, partly because things are going so well for you, Steph, that you have less time for Fizzle, and you're off and running with courage and clarity, and uh, also because Chase Reeves is off traveling the world with his family on a new adventure and uh, also has taken a bit of a step back from Fizzle. So we were in need of some help, and we've had a really great track record, with hiring people over the past six years who are entrepreneurial themselves and ultimately end up pursuing something on their own. And you may think that's a, a negative from a, a business owner standpoint, from the fizzle standpoint. But in, in fact, you know, we have, I think an average tenure of maybe three or four years, something like that. And when you look at the tenure of places like Apple or Facebook or Google, these amazing companies that you think would be a dream to work for a lot of people, uh, their tenure is only something like two and a half or three years The in terms of the length of time that the average employee sticks around. So we're doing at least as well, and that's in the context of hiring people who are entrepreneurial. Now, this time around, you know, in the past, we had often... Brought people on as full time employees and um, you know really uh, took people under our wing and and tried to get the most from them and to be their only um you know sort of form of expression or only sort of um, business activities that they were working on for a period of time until something started working and and they moved on. but we recognized that the people who wanted to work for us probably had side hustles or projects going on. And were maybe um, turned off by the idea that they had to become a full-time employee or something like that. So we actually decided to embrace this more fully. And instead of looking for people who could commit to being a full-time employee for a period of time, we opened it up and we said, we understand that you probably have something going on on the side. And so... You know, Don't be afraid to apply. We would love to have you on, even if you know maybe you're going to be working half-time for us or something. So we've um, extended offers to a few different people, and in some cases, in Aiden's case, he's actually running an agency, so it's a little bit different uh, sort of relationship with us. And uh, what that means is we got a ton of great applicants, but it also means that we are recognizing this relationship, I think, that you're talking about, Steph, which is people who... Uh, join a business like ours are of course, you know, going to hopefully contribute something meaningful and they're going to earn some money and, and so on. But at the same time, hopefully they're going to learn something from working with us and that is going to position them to succeed in their business later. And I think that, you know, in the past, it was more common for people to apprentice in various kinds of um trades you know you think about electricians and plumbers and people like that and they still do some apprenticing but you know back in the day artists and and people like that also apprenticed and for some reason now when we think about becoming an entrepreneur we think that we have to have all the answers and we have to just dive right in and build a business and pull ourselves up by the bootstraps and so on but if you listen to people's stories, people who are very successful today, a lot of them actually started out in a position where they were working for an entrepreneur and um, learned a lot from that experience. One person I can think of in particular is Laura Roeder, who um, used to run LKR Social Media, and she also now is running Edgar MeetEdgar.com, which is a social media tool. But at one point, she actually worked for Marie Forleo, And I'm sure learned a lot from that experience. And so in people's backstories, sometimes there is this period of apprenticeship. And I think we just want to make this clear to folks that this is an option and that you don't necessarily have to feel like you have to do it all and it's, you know, freedom or the highway. There's this sort of middle ground where maybe you can work part-time or maybe you even work full-time for a period of time, but the skills that you're going to learn and the relationships that you make working for an entrepreneur, apprenticing under someone who is already in your industry, whatever that might be, could be a bit of a springboard for you. So we're going to talk about hiring today, but we're also talking about how do you find these opportunities and who might you work for. So um, Aiden, I, this maybe is a good time to kind of loop you in here and talk about. You have worked for a lot of clients, and I'm sure that some clients end up being the kind that you can work, uh, you can learn from, and and get something from, and others. Um, probably end up being the kind that you you know just are catching a paycheck from and and moving on. Do you have any thoughts on the the kinds of relationships where it can be kind of mutually beneficial and what somebody might look for in that?
2: Yeah, um, it, it is an interesting kind of situation with what we do and and who we've hired and also who we work for and and there's a lot of similarities to kind of what you guys do. You know, with uh, well, first of all, with with the client facing stuff. There's there's so many different relationships that um, that you can kind of form with, with a client. We opt a lot of the time for retainer-based engagements, which is very similar to kind of like small part-time employment. Um, so being kind of multi-skilled, my agency kind of specializes in uh, non-specialties, uh, <laughs> if you will. So uh, we do a lot of different things, and that makes us very attractive for companies that don't want to hire a designer, a videographer, a copywriter, and a project manager, right? So they they come to us because we provide all of that kind of in an outsourced fashion. And then that directly trickles down to kind of the people that we look for. Um, and, you know, I didn't even bring this up prior to to this uh, recording when we were talking, uh, but about half of the people that have ever worked for us sought us out um, in some sort of an apprenticeship or an internship fashion, Right. So um, there have been situations where we have, you know, jumped through the hoops to to accredit people at their little art universities. Um, There have been situations where, um, you know, somebody's willing to accept pennies on the dollar and because we couldn't afford, you know, their skill set, but they wanted to help us. I mean, we wanted, you know, their skill set. We found value in that Um, and they found value in just being around to be to learn some stuff, you know, so. Um, that in addition to kind of like the proper contractors and the proper full time kind of specialists that we've hired, um, man, it's just all over the map. And if you're out there kind of wondering where you could fit in into an organization that you're passionate about or wondering where you could fit in with a client and that kind of relationship, the opera, the, the options are just numerous. And, um, I guess one of the big questions kind of back to what Steph was talking about is what, what do you want your life to look like? doing that because there's a lot of trading time for money there's a lot of kind of how far down the road should i look um and then reverse engineering some of that to figure out you know on both sides of the coin where who do i want to work for in what capacity and also what kind of people do i want working for me and in what capacity so um yeah it's kind of it's kind of nice i feel like very snug in the middle of this conversation with uh with some interesting experience on both sides of the coin
0: It's, it's interesting because, uh, I think a lot of people just kind of assume that client work has to suck, right? Mm -hmm. Or trading time for money is, is a means to an end. Mm -hmm. But, um, I think that if you, instead of just looking at it as a way to earn money and you start to look at it as a way to earn money and skills and connections and experience, wisdom, exactly that can accelerate your path then it becomes a whole lot more than just a paycheck. And um also, you know, Steph, you were mentioning that if you if you do this MVI exercise, which I guess we maybe haven't talked about in a little bit here, mm-hmm. you might find that the gap between where you're at now and, and where you need to be isn't that small. Do you want to tell people what MVI is and and how you could figure it out and and then what the difference might be?
1: Yes. So <clears throat> Excuse me, we have an awesome resource on this um we'll have to grab the link to it for the show notes, but um we have a podcast episode that's uh, we recorded a while back that has a, uh, I think a free download that goes with it to figure out what your minimum viable income is around the fizzle neighborhood we call that m v i and it's a very powerful exercise because. If you are trying to do this crazy thing, it feels crazy in our society anyway. If you're working a more traditional job and you want, you you dream of being able to call your own shots and work from your house and build a business, you might be looking at the salary that you're earning and looking at your fledgling business and saying, "How in the world am I going to be able to replace this?" This is like a math equation that doesn't add up. And what we've noticed is uh, across, you know, coaching thousands of entrepreneurs as well as experiencing it ourselves. Typically, what you need, there is a difference between what you need to earn in order to actually support your minimum viable life, if you will, versus what you think you need. So, in a lot of cases, this concept of, oh, I need to make enough money as an entrepreneur to support my family. When you don't have a number and you're just kind of like, you know, referring to that as a concept, like what is enough becomes the question. Like, what is enough money to support your family? And then it becomes kind of like the boogeyman under the bed because you're just freaked out about it never being enough. So there's this exercise you can go through that helps you actually pin down what is the number that you need to be pulling in. I like to look at it on a monthly basis and that's really what we recommend that would allow you to, you know, keep your the the stomachs of your family full, to keep the lights on in your house, but you know, are you subscribed to Hulu? Like are you buying tickets to your favorite football game? Maybe not. For a limited time, this is not your, you know, end destination, but If there needs to be a period of time where you're bootstrapping a little bit, you're bootstrapping your lifestyle so that you can quit that job and scale up, it's so, so, so useful. And I would even say critical to be in touch with what that minimum number is. Because the power of it is, number one, you know what you need and you can reverse engineer it because you know what you're working with. But the thing that I love the most about MVI is I would say for 9 out of 10 entrepreneurs, this number is lower than what you imagined. A lot of times we think, "Oh my gosh, I'm how am I going to bring in as much as my corporate job is giving me?" when in reality, maybe you don't need to be earning that much off the bat. Maybe you can look at it and say, "Wow, actually I only need $2,000 $5,000 a month to support my family and I can come up with a whole bunch of ways to cobble that together." And so, through that cobbling, one of the options that you have is to do what we're talking about, is to potentially pick up some hours as a contractor as a virtual assistant to kind of make that whole picture come together. So if you're listening to this and you are in the beginning stages and you don't know what your personal minimum, minimum viable income is, you got to go back and find that guide because this is a very personal number. It depends on how you set up your life, where you live, all kinds of factors go into it. But the bottom line is you absolutely need to know that number so you can figure out how to make the numbers work.
0: Yeah, and I should mention that this is episode 293 of The Fizzle Show, so you can get the show notes by heading to fizzleshow.co slash 293. That'll get you to the show notes, which will include a link to this um article slash guide that Steph is talking about, which is titled how to afford an entrepreneurial lifestyle, a comprehensive guide to minimum viable income, which uh, Steph wrote a while back and really will walk you step by step through this process of determining your fixed versus variable expenses, uh, trimming the fat. You know, you can feel very empowered once you get all of your expenses and financial needs written down in a spreadsheet, uh, or even just a a sheet of paper if you're not, if you're spreadsheet averse (laughs) and you start to recognize where there are some things that you might be able to trim and exactly how much you need to make all this happen. And it might not be As crazy as you think. And you just really start to feel like you have a very clear picture. You know, it, it's daunting to think about, well, I need to start a blog so I can grow an audience, so I can build a product, so I can, uh, start, you know, selling some of these things and hopefully I'll make enough money versus coming at it from the standpoint of, well, I need to make $3,137 a month. And if I took this part time gig, I could make 2500 working 20 hours a week, which is pretty awesome. And I'd be working for somebody that I could learn from. So then I only need to sell five copies of a course at 199 a month, and that'll fill in the gap. And there, you know, there's my freedom right there. Mm -hmm. So it makes it seem a lot more in reach. I think when you actually do this. So again, uh, head to fizzleshow.co slash 293 to get the show notes and a link to. That comprehensive guide to minimum viable income, mm-hmm. so, ramen profitability, so, ramen profitability exactly.
2: <laughs> I was so wait, uh, wait. I was sorry to jump in. I, I was I was just going to mention how uh, how 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 you guys have matured. I don't I don't remember MVI being broken down in such a pristine fashion. I just remember uh, this idea in my head of exactly how many packets of ramen I could afford <laughs> from <laughs> from you know episodes fifty and sixty. You know. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think we, we talked about it in that kind of abstract for a long time. Just, you know, what's the, the, you know, lowest level of income that you would need to survive as this abstract concept. And then we just, the nerdy side of us eventually Mm -hmm. started to think, well, you know, there is a specific number in there, probably given that you have rent and these other things. And, and maybe you can cut out some things personally when I was, um, in need of getting to MVI. I decided to go live in Mexico for eight months on a sabbatical because it was a lot cheaper to do that than it was to be in San Francisco, which extended my runway, quote unquote. That's a, a startup term, which means how much money do you have in the bank and how long can you live on that? And if you lower your expenses, you extend your runway, meaning you have more months to be working on your business, funding this whole thing before uh, you have to move on and and um, find a job or whatever. So whether you are earning directly and supporting yourself through MVI or spending savings, this is a, a really great exercise to go through. So today we, we also wanted to talk not just about how it's a possibility and to try to instill in people that this is an option for you. You shouldn't look at hiring is or, or taking a job as this dirty thing, um, or cheat towards entrepreneurship, but actually it, it could, help you on your journey, we also wanted to talk more specifically about how do people find these kinds of opportunities? Like, okay, maybe maybe there is a, a job out there for me somewhere, but how do I find it? And how do I find a place that would let me work remotely and and work part-time and still work on my business on the side and all this kind of stuff? Is is that even an option? How do I do that? Do you guys have some thoughts on that? Aiden, before you built an agency, did you do any kind of um, independent sort of freelance work?
2: Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I wish there was a formula to it, but, um, I guess, I guess the formula is, is kind of thinking, thinking a little bit bigger than, than, or, or more, uh, optimistically than maybe you would allow yourself, but it really was just following people. Cause I worked for a, for kind of a, a world renowned automotive photographer kind of, you know, got my chops in the, in the photography and video space from, from that guy. Um, and and you know kind of a handful of other people i had this small uh post production company um at first and and that was kind of you know hustling hustling small clients and stuff like that but i looked at companies i respected i i found people that i looked up to and and i was just like really kind of you know puppy <laughs> exuberant <laughs> about kind of reaching out you know um, maybe I was young and, and it didn 't really i wasn 't scared of rejection too much or or whatnot, but um, I just kind of went after people that i that I looked up for uh, looked up to um, and made pretty bold introductions, made kind of like brash um, approaches and uh, sure it didn 't work every time, but um, you know it was a numbers game in that respect and uh, and then I got to work with the people I wanted to work with instead of kind of hanging around. Uh, trying to collect the low-hanging fruit and the opportunities, I knew I could get in the freelance world um, with you know clients that I, I didn't really care about their businesses or or the industries in, in particular. So
0: I, I think there's something really instructive in that, which is you proactively reached out to people that you thought might be interesting to work for, and I I feel like so many folks are are. Reticent to do that. They, they're worried about rejection or, or they feel like, well, if there's not a job posting, then, you know, I, I can't reach out, right? Right. I, I can't, I can't, um, approach somebody about that. It's rude or, or whatever. And so much of being an entrepreneur is recognizing that there are opportunities out there for the right person, the right situation. There are so many businesses that would be happy to hire someone, even if they don't have a job posting open. If, a case can be made that by working with me, you're going to achieve x, y, and z, or I'm going to help you in some way that makes the value just so clear that I couldn't not hire you, right? And so sometimes you have to make that case, and the same thing is true of finding clients or of just being an entrepreneur being an entrepreneur in general, you know, you have to um sometimes reach out and be bold and uh, look for opportunities where they aren't clearly presented, Mm. which actually ends up giving you an edge because you're not, there's no competition, the stream of Mm -hmm. 200 resumes or or whatever.
1: Mm -hmm. I have such a good story about this that I have to tell. So it's perfect for, for actually how I found my virtual assistant. This is, this is, Awesome! I love telling this story because it was like just one of those things that worked out so well. So we have a community member at fizzle named Jen Rao, and she is my virtual assistant. She's also going to be helping out at fizzle too. And she's wonderful. I've been working with her over at courage and clarity for maybe six months or so. And, uh, Jen is someone who's also been over in the courage and clarity community for quite some time. She's one of those people who I just would always see her names pop up, her name pop up in my group. And she actually, uh, Ultimately, became one of my paying students in one of my group masterminds that I run over at Courage and Clarity, and uh, the craziest thing happened. So I was getting to a point in my business where I was wearing all the hats, doing all the things, and totally dropping balls. And I'm sure people out there can relate to this, like. You reach a certain point where you feel like your head's gonna mm. blow off. And it's almost like you know you need help, but you're so busy. Like it feels like hiring or delegating would be sort of like trying to change the tires on a car when you're going 100 miles per hour. That's the place that I was in. And we were in my mastermind programs, have a, uh, like a very small, just a private Facebook community associated with them. So it's a private experience. And Jen, as one of my students, ex- uh, saw this exchange that I had with someone where I said, I made some joke about the fact that this was my reality. I was like, oh my gosh, maybe it's time for an assistant. Ha ha. And she messages me. I look at my Facebook messages and she was like, Steph, you're not going to believe this, but I was laying down to go to sleep last night and I was just thinking about um, you know, people that I would love to help, businesses that I would love to be a part of, and your business came up on my list. And then when I went into the Facebook group and saw that you made this joke about needing an assistant, I felt like it was meant to be and I had to reach out. I'm wondering if there's anything I can do to be a part of your team and help you. And it was like divine intervention for me because, like I said, I was so crazed. I really didn't want to have to post a job posting and take the time to do a bunch of interviews and sort through uh, applications. And I was like, you know what, this is amazing. This is one of my students, someone who I know well. I know she listens to the to my podcast. I know she's in my community. She gets what I'm all about. She knows my brand. She knows my people. I want to give this a try. So I got started with her just doing a couple hours a week for me. I started really small. I went to the place that was the biggest mess first, which is my email inbox. And uh, Jen, being a very organized person, helped me with that. And then as she got that under her belt, we've been slowly adding more responsibilities as the business grows. And it has been amazing. So it's been awesome for me as the person doing the hiring, because I'm such a fan of hiring within your community. Because like I said, that person just has such a good understanding of what it is that you stand for. But then just hats off to Jen for raising her hand, like you were talking about, Aiden. And there was no job posting. There was no official you know thing out there where I was asking for help. I had just made a joke about needing someone. And she jumped right on it. And it's been really mm. wonderful ever since.
2: Yeah. And if I can point out just actually a couple things, because there is something of a formula here. Um, and uh, for a brief period of time, my agency was like a contributor to the Huffington Post, but only because uh, Ariana Huffington was like on her way out and they were letting everybody in. <laughs> um, but uh, we were working with, um, I forget what the kind of title is, but they were just some kind of consultant. And they, they you know, prescribed this formula when you're trying to get in with somebody, it's almost like following the same thing as as a typical job posting, but just like you said Jen did, um, you know, why is it important to you personally? What about you specifically qualifies you? And then also just like kind of in a nonchalant but very direct way proving um, this is something I'm super familiar with because in my hiring, more than skill sets. And this is hard to hire for. This is why, Fizzle, I think you guys uh, you know, do so well when you come you know, straight into the community. Knowing the ins and outs of a business is a thousand times, in my opinion, more effective than even a skill set because you can teach a skill set, but learning the ins and outs of a very unique business is tough. And if you can prove that on your approach with whoever you're approaching, that is going to stand out, even if there is competition ahead above the
0: rest. It really does. And, and when we're um, hiring You know, people, we, we do take meetings with people who are not part of the fizzle community, but they're at such a disadvantage because anyone who comes from the community already knows so much about us. They have such a head start and they also likely have a real demonstrable passion for our business and our community and really want to help and serve versus somebody who doesn't have any experience and they just, uh, with our community, uh, and doesn't know our business much. And they're kind of paying lip service to how much, you know, they want to to help us and, and, and so on. You can smell that with, yeah, exactly. It's just kind of easy to smell. So, you know, the other thing is, um, I was thinking that, um, if you are, trying to reach out to a specific business that you think would be really great to work for. Realize a couple of things. First of all, um, nobody wants to go through a hiring process. Like Steph just said, Mm -hmm. like it is a pain, a a P I T a, right. Mm -hmm. As I said to my wife the other day, and she was like, what does that mean? A pain (laughs) in the ass. Um, It's a pain in the ass. It it takes weeks, right? And really distracts you from everything else that you should be doing in your business. And if you're already at the point, like Steph was, where the wheels are falling off or the, the train is going faster than you can lay down the tracks, then that's the last thing you want to do is distract yourself for three weeks. So you might have that going for you. And also... Whatever you're used to in terms of a hiring process, like if you reached out to somebody at, um, you know, Google and said, Hey, I'd really love to work for you guys. I know a lot about Google and your search engine is my favorite. They're going to go, yeah, right. We have this massive process that you have to go through in order to get hired. Right. And there's no way that I can just, you know, check a box and, and suddenly bring you on versus if it's a very small business where you know, the person who is the owner, the person in charge. They can make whatever decision they want, and and that decision could happen in a matter of minutes. So there's always a chance that when you're talking about a really small business, that they could literally bring you on tomorrow, um, as opposed to having to go through weeks or months of this hiring process. So, in terms of um, finding a specific business that you would like to work for. Start by making a list, like start Mm -hmm. by making a list of the podcasts that you listen to, the blogs that you follow, um, the people that you admire in your industry. And this doesn't always have to be a list players or people that are, you know, way far ahead of you. It could be people that are more like peers or peers plus who are a couple of steps ahead, but you know, their business has already started to take off. Make a list of all of those. And then, you know, you can do two things. The first is, um, you can reach out to them directly, just like Aiden said and, and he had done in the past. Um, and if there, if that doesn't go anywhere, you can also subscribe to the blogs and newsletters of all of these businesses and just try to keep tabs on what they have going on. Because most of these small companies, if they're going to hire someone, they're going to post that job to their blog, or they're going to email it to their newsletter, or they're going to mention it on their podcast. You have to stay kind of plugged in and tuned in. And maybe you hear sometimes somebody say something like, you know, I really need a virtual assistant, like Steph said in her own community, you know, or maybe you see a job posting come up or something. So it's, it's a bit of being proactive. And then it's a bit of also just staying really plugged into what's going on with all of those businesses. And if you had like 20 of those on your list, odds are if they are thriving businesses, that some opportunity is going to come up there. You guys have other other ways that somebody could stay plugged in and, and find these opportunities?
1: I just can't um, overstate the importance of what you just said, Corbett, in terms of it being a genuine connection. In my case, I don't think... Um, the, the great feeling that I had in my gut would have been there if I didn't know Jen. Um, and not necessarily just be, I'm not saying you have to be someone's like paid client in order to, to end up working for them. But even before we ever worked together in an official capacity with her as my student, she was very active in my community and I would see her make posts and she would comment and cheer people on. So I think if you can really look to those communities that you genuinely enjoy being a part of, uh, like we talked about, fizzle is another Example of that, I think. Like I said before, we started recording, we're like batting one hundred for people that we've hired from within the Fizzle community. I know for me, I batting was batting fizzler a thousand. My, yeah, what, is that what it is? Is that the expression, <laughs> <laughs> guys? Sorry. I know football. We're like, throw it. I know football, not baseball. Okay, <laughs> thank you. For Hail Marys. <laughs> <laughs> there we go um but for me like i was in the fizzle community before i ever submitted an application and that was you know i was not in fizzle because just because i was looking for opportunities in fact i really mm-hmm. wasn't so i think it needs to come from a place of like you genuinely enjoy showing up in these spaces because i believe chances are if you enjoy being a community member there that's going to increase the chances that you're gonna have job satisfaction being behind the scenes of the business so i think really starting with like where do you like to hang out online Are there communities and groups and, you know, places that you just really find yourself gravitating to and then spend the time really being present and giving back to the community and being an engaged member? I just think it goes a really long way.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And the only, uh, the only other thing I I wanted to add, um, this, this, what what did you call it, Corbett, a peers plus kind of situation? (laughs) I guess. Yeah. Well, I kind of like it, man. Um, and I think it's really important, you know, stepping back just a little bit and thinking about, okay, you know, maybe, you know, begin with the end in mind kind of thing, but thinking a little bit further through, you know, not to not to look at this as kind of like a, a stepping stone on a larger path to give it to give it due respect. But to think about, um, yeah, if I am trying to learn and then grow and you guys say it a lot, it's it's a lot easier to do that with somebody that's just a couple steps ahead of you than it is from somebody who's already the master of the topic in the area. Um, I I do believe that. I think it's, uh, you know, their lessons are closer, they're more visceral, they're more recent, um, and they can pass those on to you quicker. Um, And then also your skill set probably helps them out more because you might actually be able to to offset some of their uh, handicaps because you are not that far behind them. So um, if they are kind of filling in a gap between you and your entrepreneurial kind of passion, the rest of the runway, if you will, um, I think this Pierce Plus thing is (laughs) something to consider.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Uh, Okay. Let's switch gears here in just a second and talk about how you actually hire people like this, because this is, I can't stress enough. This is a mutually beneficial relationship, both for the person who is taking the job and for the business who is bringing this kind of person on, because uh, you can get so much better work out of someone who genuinely loves your business and loves your mission and has been a part of it some way. So let's talk about that in just a second. But before we do, we have uh, a word from our sponsors. And today, we actually have a new sponsor on The Fizzle Show, and this is an interesting one. We haven't talked about this sort of thing much before. But Discover.Bot is an online community for bot creators. Amazon Registry Services Inc. created Discover.Bot to serve as a platform-agnostic digital space for bot developers and enthusiasts of all skill levels to learn from one another, to share their stories, and to move the conversation forward together. And you might be listening to this going, what What are you talking about? What the hell is a bot, right? <laughs> well, if you head over to uh, discover.bot. Slash Fizzle. That's d i s c o v e r dot b o t slash f i z z l e. Discover dot bot slash F-I-Z-Z-L-E, discover.bot slash fizzle. You'll see at the very top of that page, they actually have this beginner's guide to bots. And I was looking at this myself, asking what is this all about. And chat bots is really what they're talking about. Chat bots, or bots for short. Provide automated services through messaging apps and websites and they're able to respond to questions through text or voice and provide real time answers. So you guys have probably seen examples of this when you're on a website and there's a little thing that pops up in the bottom corner and it's asking you if you can, if it can be helpful in some way and you're able to interact with this bot. So there doesn't have to necessarily be a real person there, but you're still able to get answers. A more sophisticated example of bots is Google Assistant or Alexa or Siri. And those are all... Chat bots in a way. They're voice bots. And these are things that I think all of us are getting more and more comfortable with. We're starting to accept the idea that we can actually get something useful from these things. So discover.bot is meant to be a hub for all things around creating bots about talking about them and understanding how they can be useful to you and your business. So again, head to discover.bot slash fizzle to learn more. We're also sponsored today by Gusto Gusto is one of our favorite sponsors because it's one of our favorite services Gusto automates the hard stuff for your business by keeping payroll benefits and HR all in sync. Gusto is a great way to pay your employees, to pay your contractors. It's super easy to get signed up. And if you hire someone, which is what we're talking about today, after all, let's say you brought on someone to work with you as a freelancer, Gusto takes care of all of the paperwork that you need to bring that person on to make sure that you're checking all of the boxes in terms of legality and that you're able to pay them to track those payments and then to send them the forms that they need at the end of the year to pay their taxes as well. Over 60,000 businesses use Gusto to process billions of dollars in payroll every year. And you can get three months free if you head to gusto.com slash fizzle to sign up. You'll get three months free and you can use Gusto, as I said, for payroll benefits, 401k, workers' comp, HR, and more. All right, back to the conversation so let's talk about how you find these magical people. If you are, you, Steph, you already mentioned how you found Jen. Mm-hmm. Um, once you find someone like that, what's, what's the process like? How do you, how do you start that conversation and how do you bring somebody on and, and, uh, start making, use of that relationship
1: yeah totally I am such a big fan of starting really really small I know some people out there even like to do like a trial project you could do like a little self-contained trial run um, I think it's Amy Porterfield who I know I talk about all the time but I just I just love the things that she recommends I believe she does this when she hires she'll choose like a uh, her podcast workflow as an example so let's just say that you are hiring someone to help you and you have a podcast you might bring someone on that you feel good about and give them like teach them everything they need to know about the start to finish of publishing your podcast and then give them that trial run and see how it goes make sure you feel good about it and then you don't necessarily have a huge commitment beyond that i think that can be really useful to make sure that not only for you as the hiring entrepreneur that you feel good about the person you've chosen but also so the person on the other side really knows and gets a feel for the work Gets a feel for the work and can decide if that's really what they're looking for or if it doesn't really feel aligned with what they want to be doing. So I think starting with something really small, I know I mentioned that with Jen, my email inbox was like completely overflowing. And that was the, I think the the place that was bothering me the most, the place that I dreaded the most, the thing that was stressing me out the most. So, if you're the person doing the hiring, I really suggest looking at your whole business and saying like where does it hurt? <laughs> like what's the part that's really <laughs> got to get the attention the most? Like where is the, where is the house on fire? And then starting with that project. So, I knew that when I brought Jen on, my main pain points were I wanted help with my email inbox, I wanted help with my Facebook community, and I wanted help with my podcast workflow. But I decided to just take it one workflow at a time with her. So she would master one of them and then we'd move on to the next one. And then she'd master that one and we move on to the next one. So if you're just getting started and you're nervous about um, your business, you know, maybe being able to afford having a contractor or just finding the right person, you have all of those concerns, which are all valid. It can be really useful to just step somebody up a little bit at a time. So when Jen started with me, I think she was only doing a couple hours a week. And at this point, I think we're sitting around 10 hours a week. Um, and that has been really comfortable for both of us. So I just love this approach as a really doable kind of like sidestepping into it. You, I know for me, before I did this, I thought like when I make my first hire in my business, it's going to have to be somebody who wants like 30 hours a week. And that's really intimidating. And there's, there's really no reason to, to put that kind of pressure on yourself. So start small, start with one project. Pick the thing that is really outside of your zone of genius, I think, um, is a really great place to get started.
0: And I just want to stress to people how powerful this can be to bring someone on to help you in your business because it's, you know, you might look at it and say, well, it's only, you know, a couple of hours a week. How is that possibly going to make any sort of dent? But we know how, as an entrepreneur, you know how busy you are and how you're pulled in a million directions and how. Just having to spend an hour in an inbox can take you out of the mindset, the focus that you need to do the work that you really need to do to move the needle. And what a cool idea that you can bring someone on for as little as a a few hours a week, where I think a lot of people get stuck in that mindset that, oh, I'm going to bring somebody on. So they got to work at least half time or, or full time or something like that. It can just be you know, so much better, um, to start small with people. And also let's talk a little bit about, um, the, the difference between finding someone who is from your community cut from the same cloth understands and is steeped in your business or your podcast or whatever it is that you're doing versus hiring somebody from the outside. I have experienced doing both. And, and frankly, for the past. um gosh maybe 8 or 9 years is when uh Caleb Wojcik came on my team before Fizzle actually since then i haven't hired anyone i don't think who hasn't been a part of my community or has followed my work in some way because once you experience that once you experience the effectiveness and the ease of transition and the um the likelihood that you're going to hire someone who works out being so much higher with someone who comes from your own community or audience or something, it's really hard to go back to just pulling somebody out of a random bucket that you posted on Craigslist or -hmm. or some other site online. And if you are an entrepreneur thinking about bringing someone on, please do yourself a favor and make sure that you tap into any kind of resource that you have built in terms of audience or email list or blog or podcast or whatever to get the word out and signal clearly to the people that already follow you that you're looking for someone and that you think someone that comes from your um, audience would be a really good fit. Aiden, um, you, I think, have experience doing both of these sort of hiring approaches as well. Any, anything to add there?
2: Yeah, uh, kind of a couple things. Um, and just to dovetail out of what, uh, what Steph was saying, which is super, super important, the start small idea, just a couple other things to consider. Um, I know my first hire, um, I wanted to start small because I did not have the budget. So I wanted to start with small money, but my expectations were out of whack. Um, so what ended up happening is I was expecting 40 hours of my ability out of a person that I had just started with, that I only wanted to pay ten or twenty hours a week. Um, so, so kind of making sure that you're kind of in sync there. That that what you're really expecting out of them is uh, is doable. And I found kind of from there, what's nice is is really tracking my own time to to be realistic about what I can expect from somebody else. Mm. Um, so that that's not out of whack, and then I can kind of compare my time uh, against their time. It gives me an idea if they're if they're superheroes or if they're really not a good fit or if they're, you know, doing good and, and helps me kind of shape more expectations for the future. So that, I just wanted to add that. Um, now with the, uh, our audience is not super huge. So I don't, I don't have a lot of, um, the whole, like, I don't have the ability to go into my audience necessarily to find people. Um, but what I can say, and Steph, you talked a little bit about this, this like, Gosh, the last thing you have time for when you need somebody is finding them.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. right? Um and so it's kind of a weird thing and I never really gave too much credence to temp agencies until like one was kind of like just slapped in front of me. Um and I was just really kind of surprised at, you know, you do end up paying for what you get cuz essentially you're paying I don't know, $10 an hour over what your candidate is actually getting um, or or some, some factor above what they're actually receiving. Um, but you're not just getting the person and their skills. You're actually getting the vetting process. You're getting the hiring process. You're actually getting HR and management of this person. Um, you can be as hands-off as you want with these people in the assignment of their tasks. And my experience to date has been in 11th hour emergencies, I have a call with my representative at an agency like this and they give me somebody and that person works. I haven't had mm. a problem. Um, now, again, you're paying for what you get. Um, and the downside can be if you don't have a big budget, then you, what what you're getting is going to be even lower than that. And sometimes that person is not able to stick around um, because they're not actually making their ends meet. So, Um, There is, you know, there's always a compromise, but I've, I've had kind of a lot of like, gosh, I need a designer like now and getting someone that worked, you know, that was fast and and a quick learner and totally skillful and all that.
0: You know, something else that, that uh, just came to mind, kind of thinking about this, obviously we're going to recommend that you build your own audience because not only can an audience lead to customers, Um, but it also leads to tons of opportunities, you know, speaking opportunities and, and, um, partnership opportunities. And then if you need to hire somebody, you can find better candidates. So there are all these great reasons to build an audience through, um, through content. But if you're sitting here thinking, I need help today or tomorrow and I don't have a big audience to reach out to, how do I find someone then? Um, you know, obviously we can talk about temp agencies and, and hiring from, the the, you know the big sites online that have uh freelancers and 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 so on but another way to do it if you're looking to find someone who is like-minded you know and that's a lot of what hiring is it's finding people who Mm. share similar values as you right they care about similar things and um are sort of cut from the same cloth so that you have a good working relationship and you can kind of trust each other and, and know what is going to be done in certain situations Uh, Another way to do that would be to try to find someone through a community that you belong to, not that you control, that other people belong to as well, that you could reach out and and mention that you're looking for help. Just thinking about the Fizzle community, for example, I know that a lot of people have partnered up and worked on projects together or hired other Fizzle members, and those have worked out tremendously in a lot of cases because – if you are in the physical community, it means that you have probably listened to our podcast. You're sort of steeped in the the same kind of thinking about what a business is and what matters in a business. And so if you find someone in that kind of environment, then it's likely that you're going to be able to expect certain things from them. So that's just one example, but you could also look inside of Facebook groups or, or anything else that you belong to where maybe you have interacted with some people and you've gotten the sense that they are... Um, Reliable, smart. They seem to get things done and maybe they're looking for some kind of work and, uh, they might be a good fit for you. Steph, anything else to add in closing here about, um, either hiring or about working for someone else in these kind of relationships where they have, there's been a seed planted already. They're not just, you know, coming from nowhere.
1: Mhm. I would say a couple things. The first thing I'll say is if you're on the side of someone the person who is, you know, interested in potentially pursuing something like this, don't overlook the power of getting to apprentice in somebody else's business. I mean, you will just learn so much. You'll get access to so many different I don't know, just so many different inner workings, so many different connections. Um, it'll, even if you're not necessarily looking at it as a springboard, I know for me, when I joined the Fizzle team, that's really not how I was looking at it. I was just looking at it as an opportunity to really learn. I had, I had tried, as we talked about at the beginning of the episode, I had tried a bunch of different paths to try to, you know, earn a living doing something I actually cared about. And when you find people that you can help who are already doing that, whether you see yourself like, You know, moving on from them eventually, or you don't see that and you just are super psyched about the ability to help build something, which is really more how I came in the door of fizzle, it'll change your entire life. And that's what's happened to me. Um, And then on the flip side of that, if you're the person who is doing the hiring, one of the things that, I'll just share one quick thing that I'm focused on um, for 2019, because what you'll find is that after you you do make that hire and they do kind of like put out the fires in your business, which feels really great, then it's time to start being a little bit more strategic about how you use the people that you've hired. And the thing that's really helping me is to identify what is my zone of genius and what is not. And I've heard this said before that in a business, you, and as the CEO of a business, you kind of get the opportunity to do one, maybe two things really well. And I'm someone who's tried to do like all 12 things. And I feel sometimes like you're, you know, doing 12 things in a mediocre way, which is the worst feeling. Mm. So for me, I have figured out that in 2019, where I like, the, the, the part of my business that really, really needs me, and I'm trying to challenge like, you know all those times, and you're like, no, but I have to be the person who's doing the email. Like, no, you don't. What are the things that you like are absolutely so essential? You and your business. And for me, that's two things: it's creation and it's connection. Those are the two things that are my superpower in my business. Is, and you know, anytime I am in creation mode, whether it's my course content, my free content, and then connecting with people in my community, having conversation, uh, making people feel seen and and cheered on. Those are the only two things that I want to be doing. And then that puts my VA in the implementation seat, which is like so not my jam. I am not somebody who loves seeing things through. Like I'm a visionary. (laughs) It's just how my brain works. And I think the more you, maybe that's how you feel if you're listening to this, or maybe it's something different. But I think getting in touch with what you do super well, and then having the self-awareness to say like, you know what? I'm not going to be the person who implements this. (laughs) Like that's just not going to happen. I'm going to slow down the business if I try to hang on to everything. So what are the one to two things that I really want to be doing? And then how do I put somebody else in a seat to, to do the rest?
0: Love it. Love it. Thanks, Steph. Uh, and Aiden, uh, this, I hope, wasn't too painful for you today. This was your first time on the show.
2: <laughs> I'm in I'm excruciation as we speak. No, uh, no, it's been a treat, man. Um, and I think this is, it's such an important topic because you know so many people are on both sides of this conversation. I mean, this is kind of a cool two-pronged approach here. So many people are like 60% into entrepreneurship, and won't be able to survive unless they find that 40%. But they don't want to do it hastily, right? And potentially kill their business doing it. So, you know, maybe this, you know, VA or looking to an influencer to, to help out. That's the answer there. It's a great option. Um, and then also um, making hiring mistakes can also kill your business. Um, so so getting good resources and, and, you know, some tests and how to start with small projects and set realistic expectations, know where to find these people and, you know, I think we covered some really cool stuff for, for like, I would say we, we saved two lives with one stone, if that's an expression I can coin. Mm, um, yeah, I think I've
0: heard that one yeah, before.
2: Yeah. <laughs> it's old. It's a little older than most people are familiar with. But uh, <laughs> yeah, no, it was, a, it was a pleasure to join you guys. And I think, uh, yeah, I've benefited. So there.
0: Good, good. Well, thanks for being on. And I should mention to people as well, they may, astute listeners may... Have uh, recognized your name because this, in a way, isn't your first time on the show. Back way back during episode 290, we (laughs) talked about we talked about Aiden actually uh, based on a question that you had posted in the Fizzle forums. So, if people are curious about that, uh, you can head to FizzleShow.co/slash/290 and uh, hear a little bit about our take on a question that Aiden posed about growing for growth's sake. Uh, versus growing with intention alright uh, thank you both for being here this has been fun, thanks everybody for listening and uh, we'll talk to you on the next Fizzle show I can't tell you what we're going to talk about then but you know it's going to be good so uh, with that, have a great week